Is all this gosh dang nostalgia making our movies and TV shows worse? We answer that question and more this week on Only Stupid Answers. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Only Stupid Answers of the show, where we answer your questions about movies, TV shows, comic books, nostalgias, uh, West Side Stories, uh, all of that. With me today, as always, is Roxy Stryer. And today we have a very special guest, Mr. Lon Harris. Hey, everybody. Say hi, Roxy, so the kids know that you're there. <laughs> I, I like Lon's hey, everybody. It sounds kind of like... Kind of like a, a a Disney. What are the Mickey Mouse, Goofy, Daffy? What are all they called? Yeah, Daffy. Yeah, yeah, Daffy Dol- Duck. Dol- yeah. Who could forget Daffy Duck? Uh, Daffy. Donald. Donald. Daffy is Daffy Doug's Donald. friend. Donald is Mickey's friend. Oh, oh Donald. What are totally they different called? Ducks. They're called Mickey's and Friends. That's what it Mickey, sounds yeah, like. Yeah, they usually right? say like Mickey and Friends. Yeah. Is what they they yeah. call that you roster. Sound like an and friend. Yeah, there no. you go. You're one of the friends. Yeah. You're hey, one everybody. of the I'd be like one of those, you know, like dog, rodent, cat in between guys that Disney's such a big fan of. Yeah, those are like, what is that? Well, you're Dolphy. I'm I'm definitely Dolphy. Yeah, where it's like they like Goofy's a dog and Pete's a cat, but then Pluto's also a dog. It's like, what? what's going Wait, on? Wait, is Pluto <laughs> supposed to be a cat? Pete, you know, Pete, like, yeah, sorry, Pete. Right, yes. Yeah, Pluto. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mixing uh, my yeah, metaphors. But yeah, no, if you look it up like uh, on a wiki or something, yeah, like Pete, his neighbor is a cat. Wow. I guess yeah. that makes sense because he's a mouse, so they're natural enemies. No, not, yeah, right. Mickey's yeah. a mouse. Yeah. He, like, and, and that's the cartoon hierarchy, you know, mm-hmm. mouse, cat, dog. I mean, we're, we're, we're right in there. But uh, they had a cow too, right? Clarabelle. Clarabelle. Cow, like, a Disney thing as well. So he I doesn't. To, wouldn't mouse be lowest on the totem pole? Not, not, not in Walt's world. <laughs> not, Walt's, not. In oh. Walt's world, mouse up top. <laughs> Walt you listen, Walt Disney was Walt Disney was all about taking mouse. the little guy and elevating the yeah. little guy. That was all. That was Walt's whole thing. You don't, you don't even need yeah. to look at his history. That's what he was about. <laughs> And then Oswald was a rabbit. I don't even know how that works. Yes. Very confusing. Yes, very confusing. <laughs> not um, sure Walt really understood the vagaries of the animal kingdom, honestly. Uh, we can, I think we can all agree that Looney Tunes was, uh, was a, a lot more, uh, the, its animal kingdom made a little bit more sense. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more like real world. It's like, okay, a duck, uh, a rabbit. Yeah, natural enemies of the hunter. Like, it's yeah. more of a, like, relatable worldview. Whereas Disney is like, some of them are living in cities and wearing clothes and some of them are their pets of those ones and it's like what what's going on it's it's a chaos it's chaos it's but chaos. listen yeah this listen, is crazy this is not what we're talking about today we're not talking about is it, wait <laughs> is it not i prepared 50 minutes of material on this. um we are talking today about nostalgia because we've had a lot of nostalgic things come out and it's been on my brain and so i hit up roxy and i hit up Lana. i was like hey this is what i want to talk about Ooh, for those watching live here's my dog uh, she's not able to take a hint right now that we're recording. Um, well, I feel like both of you guys were talking about animals so much. Lon's animal went mm-hmm. behind him. Your animal came into the room. Yeah, they just I wanted no to be included. To show because yeah. I'm alone. Roxy, get yourself an animal. Get yourself yeah. an animal. You got to adopt. Um, I can't keep a plant alive, DJ. Uh, animals are so much easier. Yeah, because they, they, they'll remind you. Yes. Like, they'll be like, hey, I'm hungry. And you're like, oh, right, that's right. Yeah, That's the thing. And, you know, they basically uh, – plants work on their own uh, system. Animals work essentially the same as we are. You feed them a couple times a day. You make sure they go poop and pee, and you're fine. <laughs> I don't know. And if you I, do forget, they will still go poop or pee. They'll just do it up up in your business instead of yes. outside right. on the ground. Who would have guessed? Yeah. A dog is low maintenance <laughs> and a plant yeah. is high maintenance. I never knew. Yeah, I can't, I can't figure out plants, but I've got I've, I've figured out the dog. But if we mentioning watching this live, perfect segue. Thank you, Winona. Um, if you want to watch this live, you can do that over at patreon.com slash only stupid answers. And that is also where you can check out our new Patreon exclusive show, Spider-Versity, where uh, I talk about the Spider-Man movies with our friend of the show, Sal, from Comic Pop. You can also review the show on iTunes, please, and thank you. Go give us five stars. We also ask you questions on uh, Spotify. If you listen on Spotify, last week's question was, who is 
is your favorite Avenger so far? Uh, it was an episode on Hawkeye. So I, originally the question was going to be, who's the worst Avenger? And I thought that was too negative. So I went with, who's your favorite Avenger so far? Uh, Hunter Bear said, with this show, Hawkeye is really beginning to grow on me. Maybe that's my short-term memory. Maybe it's cool to see someone who is literally just some guy make a difference. Um Stephanie Raposo says, got to go with Iron Man. Rashid J. Harris says Thor. And Stormy Woods says Captain America. Uh, so we got the full Marvel Trinity in there. But before- Who's your guys? Uh, yeah, Lon, do you have like a favorite Avenger? Hmm. Are we counting all of the Guardians as Avengers or just like the main the main core crew i think that's a good question because after infinity war like the implication is like every everyone's an avenger now (laughs) right because i do i have to say drax as a character is like one of consistently my favorite characters in the whole mcu so i'm i'm tempted to just go right there but i i get like overall contribution to the team core of the team i probably would go thor on this one there you go, Thor. Roxy, favorite Avenger. Well, that's kind of sad, though, because isn't Drax the only one who doesn't really like his character? <laughs> I, th- I thought that was weird, too. Batista did did have this complaint where he's like, oh, I just stand around and say, like, dumb things. It's like he's one of the funniest people in, like, the entire franchise, I think. Like, I've always... That was the character that made me go, oh, Dave Batista's really good. I like him in movies. Uh, for me, the Dave Batista um, uh, breaking point was um, uh, Blade Runner 2049. When I saw him in that, I'm like, oh, God, Dave Batista, killing yeah, it. I feel like I was already on board by then because he was Drax. Like, yeah. I, and, and, and I didn't know him from, like, I'm not a wrestling guy. So, yeah. like, I didn't really know that much about him other than, like, that big dude who wrestles until he started showing up in movies. Uh, Roxy, mm-hmm. favorite Avenger. Wanda. Oh, yeah, that's right. We know this. We know this. We've talked about this. this. Um, I think for me... A fish uh, called Wanda. The fish called (laughs) Wanda. Jamie Lee Curtis. (laughs) Um, I think for me, it's probably Sam Wilson. Because again, uh, we're kind of doing it with Hawkeye, but I think before Hawkeye, Sam Wilson was the like... I like to refer to him as like the Zettermore of the Avengers like he's just yeah. a, he's just here to do a job like he's not he's not he doesn't have a super soldier serum he's not a billionaire he's just some dude that got roped into the Avengers and he's gonna make the best of it and I find that pretty relatable <laughs> it is he's like braver like he like Thor is a god so him yeah. going into those battles is like well this is what's expected of you it's like the least you can do Sam Wilson's got like two guns and a jetpack. Yes. he's just a guy yeah. he's so, just like, a guy to respect it yeah <laughs> he's just a guy so before we get into our discussion today about nostalgia, we like to start every episode talking about what we are into this week. Lon, you are our guest today, and you host. Before we even do that, we yeah. haven't even had a chance for you to talk about where people can find you, what you're up to, where they might know you oh. from, what they should be well, checking out. Uh, what are you up to, Lon? Tell what us am what I you're up to? to. Uh, you know, I mean, a, a lot of the same stuff I've been up to. I'm doing a podcast with Hal Rudnick called Binge Boys, where we watch uh, whatever is streaming that week. So definitely got some things I can recommend you guys in a few minutes here. Uh, I'm also I'm still writing for Screen Junkies and Fandom and Honest Trailers. Of course, those come out every Tuesday. We do a commentary, which you can watch over there. Uh, I write a streaming newsletter. Uh, for inside so if you want to read my thoughts on everything going up on the web that's inside.com slash streaming is where you can check that out and then uh video drew from the schmodown and i drew grant we do a podcast together as well for her network content candy so you can look that up wherever you find podcasts you're everywhere that's all the places that's that's a good amount that's a good amount of that's a good amount of things check check out the description for links yeah if you can keep going keep going (laughs) I know that's okay. That's fun. So, so uh, you mentioned binge boys. So, I like yes. you said, you got a lot to recommend. What are you into? What are you watching that you want to share with the class today? Uh, well, I, I have you. Have you seen that? Uh, <laughs> there's there's a couple Korean shows that I got into post Squid Game. I yes. feel like both the streaming services got on this this like we're gonna throw Korean content at you, and I got like more interested in seeing what kind of shows were out there. So, I'm watching one on Netflix called Hellbound which Ooh. is by the same guy who did Train to Busan. Oh, and it's shit. it's a little bit like Korean leftovers. The idea is like all of the sudden people start getting like, like a face that looks like a ghost or an angel's face, like appears above them and says like, you're going to die in a week and you're bound for hell. And then at the moment of the prediction, like demons rise out of the ground and like grab you and like pummel you and kill you and drag you down to hell. Uh, and this just starts happening like all over the world one day. 
And and but it's not the show's not really about that. It's about how humanity reacts to it. And like this cult rises because it tries to like explain what's happening, and people are like investigating, trying to figure it out. It's really it's really interesting, and it does not go where I sort of expected. Uh, that sounds really interesting to me because I, yeah. I do kind of like the idea of um, when when dealing with like sp- spiritual or supernatural things, like the the truth is if it were to happen, we wouldn't know the backstory exactly. of it would just right. start happening and then we'd have to be like, but why, why though? Why is it, why is this going on now? Yeah, I so feel two like two questions. Shoot, number one, it, this is live action. It's live action. It's on. It's a, it's a six episode like first season of the show. It's on Netflix now. Yeah. And and number two, you know how leftovers, which I'm, I am assuming you finished. Yes. I don't know if we've, I, we've, we've spoken about it since it's been done. I think at some, at some, at TV some point, time. Yeah. yeah. You and I uh, definitely at least d- d- yeah. briefly discussed it before. So do you think it's like that where you're never going to know why somebody is the person with the thing? Yeah, I think they're they're definitely playing around with like this is just a baffling thing and as people we don't really understand like the nature of the world and especially this cosmology and I mean there's definitely like it's it's clearly the first season of a show that they're thinking of more stuff like it doesn't end end it yeah. ends with like a Stay tuned for season two of Hellbound. So they're going to keep deepening and broadening the mystery, but it's definitely less about let's get to the bottom of this and more about, oh, this would make everybody go insane. Like this would ruin the world if this started to happen. We would all lose our minds and have no idea how to deal with it. Are some of them kids? Yes. I mean, like part of it is they try to come up with like, oh, well, these people must be bad. Like Mm -hmm. this is you're you're a sinner and you're getting this is God dragging it out. But then they start to play around with that idea of like this person doesn't seem bad. And like that person seems really bad and it's not happening to them. And so, like, that's what kind of leads everybody to get like paranoid and crazy and not know what to make of it. I love this show. It's a really cool. It's a really cool premise. And, And, you know, it's like there's that like. In South Korea, it sort of feels like the way that they approach a lot of these premises is just like, just take it. It's less about expectations, like setting expectations and then living up to them, which a lot of American shows, it would be like, well, we have to start explaining the mystery by episode four or people will get frustrated. (laughs) And it feels like in Korea, there's a little bit more storytelling freedom where it's just like, I don't know, man, where do you think this should go? Like, I think this this weird thing would happen next. Well, it's kind of like um, I have to know. I have to know. It's kind of like with a uh, Squid Game. Like, ep- is it episode two that they get to? You know, they they have the vote. Let's put it that way for people right, to have them watch yes. Squid Game. And it's like, yeah, American American shows would never do that. <laughs> would never do that. People are like, what? Yeah. Like, right? It's like they they'll throw you curveballs, but not so much of a curveball that it's like I don't know what to make of this. And it feels like yeah, there's just you know, like that's it's a different approach to that kind of storytelling over there. So that's that's a that's one of the the standout for you uh, standouts for you when it comes to like binge boys. So you have to like, are you like watching everything basically? I try to watch a lot of stuff. My my rule is like I'll give everything two or three episodes, and if I'm not into it by then, I just put it aside and like move on to the next thing because I just got like there's too much to get through. I can't finish everything, but uh. Yeah, I try to give everything like a fair shot so I don't get to everything because obviously there's just not enough time. But yeah. I, I try to I try to get in as much as I can. We, we just so in conversations like this, I feel prepared with like, you know, I've seen the big stuff. Everybody wants to talk like I, I, I haven't missed Wheel of Time so I can talk about that. But I've also seen some more like odds and ends obscure things. So I haven't checked out Wheel of Time yet. Roxy, have you seen Wheel of Time, the Amazon no. Prime show? No, uh, Lon. How we? How is it? How, what are we? What are we dealing with here? Is it? Is it any uh, good? Is it worth checking out? It, no, I'm. I'm really enjoying it so far. It's interesting because people keep comparing it to Game of Thrones for obvious reasons. Right. Yeah. It's like trying. Jeff Bezos even specifically said, "Like, get me, get me a Game of Thrones." You know, yeah. like I'm imagining him like pounding his desk, yes. like I want five Game of Thrones at my desk by five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in their advertisement, they said this was right. Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones. Right, so. and and it's interesting because Game of Thrones, like so much of the bit is upend every expectation and trope of fantasy yes. you know like oh you think it's going to be about the good family conquering evil but ah, we're going to murder them all or like oh you think that the, the it's about the lord of light is going to come save the day and it's like we're not even sure he exists you know yeah. like and it's all that and wheel of time is like straight up just like 
it's it's a Tolkien esque story that's like similar, changing some stuff. It, it's really in that mold, and it's not trying to upend expectations. It's just trying to like deliver what those fans want. Yeah, but but as a riff on those kinds of ideas, it's pretty good. Like it's well done, and it's obviously hugely elaborate and like gorgeously massively produced like they threw unlimited funds at it so it looks great well bezos has those funds he has those yeah they destroy like they built this huge village and then destroyed and like the pilot like money was no object they will literally go to like a whole huge town for one scene and they'll be like all right we're done here and it's like you you built that stable just for this two minutes of screen time that's crazy Wild. Wow. Employees could have taken pee breaks and with that money. <laughs> I miss watching things as a kid and not thinking about things like that because when I'm watching things as an adult and and being somebody in the industry, that's all I can notice. Yeah. And it is so frustrating as an independent filmmaker looking at things like that. It's like if I had the budget of that two minute scene for a ninety minute movie, yes. I'd be famous. Yes. Yeah. No, there's I'd literally. A, a yeah. scene in the pilot where they're in like this smithing, like a blacksmith's setup. And it's incredibly intricate and detailed. It looks beautiful. Like like they spent hours just making all the little details look right and building all the little things wow. to go on the walls and everything. And then the whole town is destroyed at the end of the episode. <laughs> so it's like, even if we go back there, it'll be like seasons from now and they'll have to do it again. It's like, it's 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 unthinkable. This you know, it's like hundreds of millions of dollars just uh, on this. So on that level, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. It it it, just, it is it feels very Tolkieny so far. I'll have to I'll have to check it out just for that. If you want to know more about what Roxy and I are into, we're going to be doing that in the after show, which is going to be over at Patreon.com/slash Only Stupid Answers. Uh, I will say I got good ones. Oh, we got some we got ones. some good ones. I will say yeah. just as a um a tease of that, Lon, have you ever checked out The Expanse? Oh, the Amazon show. I have it. Okay. No, I know it's supposed to be great. It's so fucking good. It's so fucking mm. good. And I I got screeners for the uh, sixth and final season, uh, the whole season. Um, and uh, it's great. It's it's great. And it's just it it it's um, it really uh, sticks the landing. Um, and I really anybody that likes um, sci fi or anybody like that likes stuff that shows that like take themselves more seriously and think about like the real, real world ramifications of some of their more heightened scenarios. Um, uh, the expanse is, is really, really, really fantastic. And, um, soon at the end, it's the season six starts at the end in December. And like by the end of December or like early uh, January, the whole show will be on Amazon. So you can just watch the whole thing. Um, but yeah, so that I'll talk more about that, uh, uh, in the after show on Patreon, uh, before we get, uh, move forward in the chat today. Um, we've got uh, some of the, our audience is talking about what they are into. Kayla Marie is into Encanto, which emotionally wrecked me. Oh, and yeah. I started Young Justice, which is so good. OMG. Leonard Kim is watching Hawkeye. Man in the Arena. Wheel of Time. Cowboy Bebop. Arcane. Sex Lies of College Girls. Uh, Star Trek Discovery. Swagger. Acapulco. And tons of sports. And- I've heard great stuff about that Swagger show. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but that's that's coming up soon in my queue. I don't that's even on Apple Apple TV Plus. It's with uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. It's like uh, it's like a, a basketball phenom and his like rise through the high school ranks, trying to be in the NBA. But it's supposed oh. to be great. That sounds great. Great stuff. Uh, And then Glenn Caesar says he's watched King Richard, uh, Mm, Hawkeye, Hawkeye Part One, Beatles Doc, Wheel of Time series, AEW Wrestling, NBA, and NFL. So that. Oh my God. Have you guys watched that Beatles Doc? I'm obsessed with it. No, 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 no. I might watch it again. It's like nine hours and I might watch it again. That's how. Well, it is. It's Peter Jackson, right? I mean, it's Peter Jackson, but it's really, it's just, it's so, it's, it's weirdly immersive. Like, you, it, it looks so. It looks like it's in HD, like it was shot yesterday, and it's 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 so like slow, and it, you know you just get sucked into it, and it really feels like sitting in this studio with the Beatles while they made this album. It's incredible. That's wild. That's wild. And that's on Disney Plus, yeah. That's on Disney Plus. Yeah, all, that whole thing is up now. Three three episodes. They're like three hours each, though. Legitimately. Oh, oh my god. Well, of course. That's what I said. It's Peter Jackson. It's like there's there's uh, uh, no such thing as too much when it comes to Peter Jackson. And it's I mean, a lot of it is just them sitting around like smoking cigarettes, eating toast. They, they're obsessed with toast. They're, every scene is like they're being brought these huge trays of toast and marmalade, drinking tea, eating toast, and I like really like toast. 
I think it's like, underrated. Yeah, who doesn't like? Don't I mean, talk it's, about toast enough. Toast is delicious. It's just amazing that these were like the four richest and most famous men on earth at this time and could have been asking for like anything. And tea and toast is like all was their jam. Tea and toast and cigarettes was their jam. And cigarettes. That's all they really wanted. Well, uh, uh, next we are going to talk about nostalgia. But before we do that, we're going to go on a quick ad break where the ads might be about tea and toast and cigarettes. Who knows? Who's to say? (laughs) Here's the ads. Hey, everybody, real quick, I want to talk to you about Secondhand Memories, a nerdy book of poetry by Joseph Bonaldi that uses myths to talk about identity and the fallibility of memory. Poems include a homeless angel begging for laundry money to keep his robes white, old man Robin Hood looking back at his life and realizing he is full of regrets from pursuing legacy instead of happiness, and surrealist life experiences like selling your life at a yard sale. Here's the official summary. Memories are the stories we tell ourselves to make sense of who we are. Half-truths and false narratives mixed together to create something more honest than reality. Is Robin Hood truly a legend if all he remembers is regret? What is the value of a man who sells his life at a yard sale? This collection of poetry jumbles myth and autobiography together to say something truer than either could on their own. That life is made up. Identity is what you make of it, and nothing is more real than the stories we tell. You can grab this book at Amazon right now, and there is a link in the description of this very episode. Joey is a longtime friend of the show, and he's a hellbent backer. He chose the tier to advertise on this very show, and I am excited to tell you about his book. So go do yourself a favor, click that link, look for secondhand memories on Amazon, and check it out. All right, everybody, we are back from that beautiful, oh, nice. glorious ad. Let us know if it was about toast. <laughs> it, I can tell you it wasn't. Uh, it was not. But now we are talking about um, nostalgia. And you're like, why? And it's like, because it's, it, it's literally everything right now. So just this week, uh, I saw um, West Side Story. I'm going to be talking about a little bit that, about that, spoiler-free, in the after show. Oh, I'm so jealous. I'm uh, so jealous it hurts. <laughs> we've got a new Ghostbusters movie. Uh, we've got a new Cowboy Bebop show on Netflix. We've got the announcement that they're continuing the X-Men animated series from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about how you feel about the all the nostalgia we're getting because here's here's the concern i have with seeing all this it feels like to me culturally we're abdicating uh any uh, any ability to like look forward to imagining any future for ourselves like things are so shitty that it seems to be our default is like, well, let's just let's just go back. Let's just go. Don't don't worry about doing new things. Let's just keep going back and doing the old things. Like somebody watched Ready Player One. It's, this is all lumped together with meta for me. Watch Ready Player One, and, and instead of being like, oh, that's a goddamn nightmare, they're like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> I think that's part of it. I think I think there is a fatalism to it of of like you know everything good was from the past and we should just look back there. But I also think we you got to think about the impact of like globalization on all this like culture pop culture and films and shows and this stuff it used to be made with a more culturally specific audience in mind yeah. and now everything is made for everybody and so it has to be way more broad and it has to have way more global appeal immediately and like well how do you do that well you put recognizable stuff that everybody already knows in it so like it's hard to sell a comedy overseas or to like mass audiences young and old alike but it's easier to sell that comedy if you're like but look the ghostbusters are in it you know who the ghostbusters are so i think that's that's a big part of it it's why a lot of entertainment has kind of gotten like smoothed out and and blander because it's just like it's not enough to get 30 million people to think something is amazing and awesome. You have to get 300 million people. You have to get 3 billion people on board to make a profit in 2021. Well, and it's, but it's, I think that's an interesting point because Lon, you said when we were talking about the show, you've not seen the new Ghostbusters yet, right? No, I'm, I I will admit I had an opportunity to, and I'm, I'm, I feel like it's going to make me sad. (laughs) So I've been, I've been a little bit avoiding it. Yeah. I, I think, uh, uh, Roxy and I would support that decision. (laughs) Um, not everybody, some people (laughs) are, people loved it. I know a lot of people loved it, but I feel like, and I don't mean that like, 
I've said this, people have gotten a little upset with me. I don't mean this negatively. I'm not criticizing you if you liked it. Everybody likes that. I'm sure I like stuff you don't like. I don't yeah. mean this in, in a pejorative way. But I feel like the people who liked it, just they, their, their Ghostbusters is different from my Ghostbusters. Like when I think of Ghostbusters, it's this blue collar snobs versus slobs 80s comedy. And that's yes. what I love about it. Yes. It's like. They're acting like jaded, cynical, shitty plumbers, and they're going into people's houses who are annoyed with them. Like the whole movie is really that scene where they go to the fancy hotel and the guy's like, $5,000? I won't pay it. And they're like these disgusting guys with cigarettes hanging out of their mouth, threatening to like unleash a ghost in the ballroom. Yes. And and so making it like Amblin, Spielberg, teens on a on a family adventure, like I get the appeal of that stuff. I loved the Goonies as a kid, like anybody, yeah. but it just doesn't feel Ghostbusters-y to me at all. Like, it feels like totally a different genre and style than the original. And like, I don't know, that kind of, it bums me out. Well, I think you clocked a lot of Roxy and Mai's criticism uh, of it without having seen it. But I think that goes it's Almost to- like you were next to us, Lon. <laughs> I could tell, I mean, as soon as the trailer was like Finn Wolfhard in a, in a, in a car in like a cornfield, I was like, what? That's- Ghostbusters, it's so New York. It's like the most New York thing in the world, Ghostbusters. Well, and, not but I think, this one. Not, yeah, not no, this one at like, all. What if kids on a farm? Like, what is, is that just Stranger Things? But, uh, but like, it, you're right, because, like, like, Ghostbusters is this, like, lumpy, kind of unusual kind of, like, uh, uh, thing, something that's clearly hard to recreate. You know what I mean? Right. And so trying to make it into this thing that's, like, mass-producible. But that goes to my the, to another question of, of like, you made the point, you know, we're trying to get more the globally on board. It's like, yeah, but do people, like, Cowboy Bebop's on Netflix. Are people in China obsessed with Cowboy Bebop? Like, or the new, 90, the X-Men 97 cartoon. Like, we, the, so, so. Um, uh, I love that cartoon when I was a kid. Uh, uh, Me too. Yeah, I was a big fan. And then uh, for, I think right when Disney Plus launched, Sam and I were doing a rewatch thing. We rewatched a few episodes and parts of it are great and other parts of it are not. <laughs> it's, it's not. And so it makes me wonder, like, why not just do a new X-Men cartoon? So, okay, I'm going to get real with you guys for a second. <laughs> I'm going I'm going very psychoanalyzing on this for one minute. Let's do it. I remember uh, several years ago talking to my therapist and her saying to me that one of the main things in common with uh, people who have depression is a longing for the past. Mm-hmm. A, a longing to get back to the past because you either are looking at something through rose colored glasses or when you're thinking about like a, it was a better time um, and often it wasn't a better time. Often you just feel like it was a better time. And I, I think that we are going through a global depression right now. Yeah. We're going through uh, a time in which people haven't been allowed to leave their houses in two years. And um, the, the Lond and I of the world who are solo dolo are like losing our shit. I don't know if you're losing your shit, Lon. I'm losing my shit. Yeah, for um, sure. Or, or <laughs> and everybody else, people who have lost their jobs, people who have lost their livelihood, people who have lost their family members and not been able to say goodbye. You guys know you lived through the panini just like I did. So mm-hmm. uh, or when we're still living in it. And so I do feel like, especially now, we, we don't even have the mental capacity to look forward. We have no effing idea what that is. So creators who are some of the most sensitive people on the planet, uh, and I don't say sensitive is a bad thing. I say it just as in like in touch. I think that they're mo- a lot of creators right now are not even able to look forward. They just want that nostalgia. And if what we're talking about is like tapping back into those things, I'm not saying we're doing it in a good, in a, in a way that's healthy or or um, creatively fulfilling. But I think that's where it's coming from right now, where it's not out of laziness. It's not out of like, I just don't want to do the work. I just think people are wishing that we were in a different time and they don't know how to create a new time. So they're just trying to go back to the old time. Yeah, I, I totally 
totally agree with that. I think two things I would add. One, there is this idea, you're right, that that it's easier somehow. Like to write a new Ghostbusters movie is easier than coming up with your own idea. You know, there's always that like, oh, they're out of ideas. Just do yeah. It's harder. Like coming <laughs> up with your own original story would be a lot easier than trying to please everybody who loves classic Ghostbusters while also reinventing it for a new generation and being faithful to all the storytelling things that like Dan Aykroyd was just throwing out ideas for the original one. It didn't have to conform to all kinds of other backstory and stuff that it was inheriting. So it's, it's harder. Like it's not easier. And that idea that it's just laziness makes no sense. Like it's really tough to constantly reinvent old things in ways that feel fresh and new as opposed to just everybody who becomes a writer wanted to write their own stories, not retell someone else's like on a fundamental level. The other thing I would add, and I totally agree with your point about there is a psychological component to all of this. And it does link up with the fact that we're all basket cases. I think is that another problem we're seeing is that it's a a little bit like drugs. There's, you know, it it stops working as well after a while, you know, Mm -hmm. like if you take the same pill every day after a week or two, it doesn't have the same impact. Now you got to take two pills or three pills. And I think that we've reached that point with the nostalgia economy where it's like just throwing in a character or two from an old movie isn't enough anymore. We got to, we got to top that. So now you've got movies like Spider-Man No Way Home where it's like, oh yeah, what about 18 characters from all the movies that you loved? And soon enough, even that will not seem crazy enough. And then you got to do like, we got to do Space Jam, A New Legacy every time. Where it's like, what about every character that the studio owns coming back at one movie? And like yeah. we, this, we can't keep topping ourselves forever. Like at a certain point, it all just disappears up its own butthole completely and there's nothing left to tell a story about. So like, yeah, I think that right now we're already kind of in this cycle of things are just progressing so quickly and, you know, we're not getting the same buzz off of the nostalgia anymore. And like, it's going to break eventually. Well, and I think you mentioned from a creative perspective, you know, it's hard to kind of like, thread the needle of pleasing new fans and creating new stuff from, but from a business perspective it is very easy to like we talked about with uh wheel of time or whatever like well give me a game of thrones well give me a you know what i mean like we could try and figure out what the next sopranos is or we could just make a sopranos pre- prequel and make that a show right and and move on from that and i and i think like i i don't i it, it concerns me because um it it, it feels like our entire culture, not just media, but like everything is, is suffering from a lack of imagination as we like, as we like look forward to like deep existential threats. It's like, well, we could try and figure out an entirely new system that's less extractive and less destructive, or maybe carbon capture could be a thing and we could just do the same stuff and not worry. But literally carbon's the only problem is like, well, that's not the, that's not the only problem. Like that's not that we're, we're running into a series of crises. And I guess for me, art represents there's, there's an aspirational aspect to art, right? There's an aspirational aspect to, to, um, uh, what movies and shows and stuff like they can show you what is possible. That's, that's a big part of what made Star Trek successful. It's like, Hey, what if, you know, the future was good? Like, what if we figured it out? You know what I mean? And so I have concerns that like, uh, instead of our artists being able to be like, well, here's ways we can improve things. I remember, um, uh, uh, in, in the height of the George Floyd protests, some artists got together and started reimagining how you could, uh, uh, like it, like doing conceptual drawings of what um, uh, police could be co- like like we get rid of police and we replace them with mental health people and we replace them with sanitation people and we replace them with with uh, uh, first responders in this way you know what I mean and mass global media is not allowing creators that to think that way it's like well just give me another Ghostbusters you know what I mean. Yeah. And I mean, I think I think part of that is just, you know, like what we were talking about before, that it's if I've got an audience and, you know, some of them are in Argentina and some of them are in Australia. It's just easier to be like rather than relaunching a mob show. Yeah. Give them. You you guys know the Sopranos. Everybody knows. So this is another Sopranos. And I think that that does make a lot of like business sense on a ledger. You're like, this is more of a sure thing. I'm going to invest a hundred million dollars in this new series. I want some kind of guarantee that people are going to care about it. And so as that has become the 
guiding philosophy of the entire industry. Yeah, it's it's almost impossible. I mean, it's almost impossible in 2021 unless you are someone named like Shonda Rhimes or <laughs> Tyler Perry or Ryan Murphy. Like unless your name comes with that level of cred, you don't really get to tell your own stories anymore. It's always like, well, which of these four titles that we're bringing back are of most interest to you, like, are you more of a saved by the bell person or are you more, you know, like it's just your choices are Punky Brewster or Doogie Hauser or Turner and Hooch, you know, like that's what people, and those are the people who've risen through the ranks to become showrunners. Yeah. Those are their options. Imagine everybody below them or two steps below them or writer's assistants or none of those people are getting to tell their own stories anymore. I, I do think that there is merit in remaking some movies. Um, sure. I mean, there are lots of remakes that I like. Yeah. I mean, it's not an anti-remake philosophy. Right. It's just like no, I know. It's a balance. I, yeah. Completely. I, I'm with you. Uh, I'm, I think that we all feel the same way where it's not like, you know, I, I really like The Star is Born. Okay. That's the first one that came to my mind. Yeah. And I think that it's made every yeah. it's a couple decades. I think that's a cute thing. I like it. I like sure. that they redid it. That's fine. Uh, and then there's, you know, West Side Story, which is one of my favorite musicals. And I'm so excited to see it. I can't wait to hear you talk about it, DJ. And the, it sounds like people are really liking it. And then there's the things like Ghostbusters, where I really genuinely felt like, wow, this was a this was a few hours of my life that I'm never going to get back. Um, and and could have said that from the initial jump, you know, like the second the concept was pitched, it's like, oh, no, yeah. no, like, I don't think that's going to work for me. But other people seem to really like it. I also think that creators of their hands are tied a little bit right now because it is a weird time. I don't know if you guys are in any uh, meetings right now, if you guys are working on any scripts and you guys are coming up with this, uh, hitting the same walls of like, is this pre, is this with masks on? Is this not with masks on? Do we address that there was a, pan you know, and like how bogged down do you get in our, co uh, our current climate, whether it is with, um, uh, everything that's gone on with identity politics or whether it is what's going on with global warming or whatever what it is what's going on with everybody wearing masks the world actually looks different today and sometimes maybe you don't want to include that in your art because it's like not fun yeah. so I think that people are like okay let's try to create something that is escapist and maybe that is where, why they keep tapping into the past. Well, and I think it's interesting too. Like when you mentioned Star is Born, I feel like Star is Born is one of those things that comes back when everybody, when somebody has like a take, like when they're like, oh, this is how da 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 da. Like as Lon, you've watched Cowboy Bebop, right? Yeah. The new one. I, I am only in episode six. And it, it's, uh, it's very clear that nobody had, like Netflix was like, We've got this property. Let's do live action. And that was the extent of somebody having like a yeah. perspective on what this should be. It, it really strongly reminds me of a very successful like 2010 YouTube series. Like yes. you can imagine like Corridor Digital. You remember those guys yes. or like somebody like that who was very good at like costumes and effects and the technical elements of filmmaking. And it, it feels like a challenge. Like, can we recreate the aesthetic? and the style of Cowboy Bebop, but with actors in live action. And they're doing a very good job of that. Like, it's very well done, slick. You're like, that does look like a live action version of the Cowboy Bebop world. Yeah. But as it's, it, it's not its own show at all. Like, it doesn't really even feel like an adaptation. It feels like, how can we most closely just like take that and like put it in this other format without messing with it too much? And it's like, on some level, it's just kind of, pointless like once you once you get it that that's what they did and they did a good job of it you're like good job I'm yeah gonna go over here now watch something else yeah I've like seen this already uh, if i never saw the original would i like this i think you'd like it better than if you'd seen yeah. the original okay. yeah, because probably. there's not because like it's it's silly and dumb and cartoony but then like the witcher can be pretty silly and dumb but it's like it's fun like i have fun watching it i can imagine somebody watching this and having fun if you've yeah. seen the anime i I, I am hard pressed to think of a single thing that they adapt from the anime that they don't make slightly worse, that they don't right. make like a little bit shittier. Like it's just it's not, not, it's a fun world. And yeah. so I think that no matter how you get into the world of Cowboy Bebop, once you're there, you'd be like, Oh, this is a fun world. Like it's just a clever idea for a setting and characters. And like, it's just fun. And I, I feel like that comes through in either version. Yeah. But the, the anime is a lot better. Yeah. The anime is, is, well, it's interesting, too. It's interesting, too. The, just watch the it, it is a good case study of, like, how things work in animation and live action because somehow 
there, obviously the anime is an anime. There's it's it's there's a lot of heightened elements, but somehow just straight adapting that into live action makes it more cartoony. Like makes it more like oh well now this is kind of lame. Like you needed yeah. to, you needed well, to change it a little bit to make it work in live action. Right, and I feel like the one thing they did change was they muted all the colors, which is like no, that's not the thing. To <laughs> that's change. the wrong thing to <laughs> like, do. Keep keep the keep the look and the colors right, and just you know make it feel more natural to live action in some way. Yeah. Why do you think they did that? I have no idea, but like there, there, there's an episode in particular. I think it's it maybe the first. I think it's the first one where they go to like a planet that's like Mexico. Yes, it's like it is the first one. It's Mexico planet. The, yeah, right. Neo Tijuana or something. Yeah, and they do the same thing that Earthbound movies do when they go to Mexico, where they throw a yellow brown filter over everything, yep. so we know it's Mexico. Yeah it's it's dirty and dusty there folks and and it's like they do the same thing here in the cowboy bebop show it's like that's not even mexico it's like a mexico themed planet it can look like whatever you want it doesn't have to look like that part of traffic where we go visit benicio del toro yeah 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 what a dumb decision well well, and even stuff like so you cast john cho as spike and john cho is great but then you sat on like like half of every episode is him just wanting noodles. Like that's suddenly like his thing. Like he's yeah. hungry all the time. Also, you know what I mean? They did they did a thing. It's the same. Did you guys see Cry Macho that Glee's doing? No, 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 oh. no. He's he's playing a character who was clearly in the book like late fifties, early sixties. <laughs> but he's he ninety. <laughs> he's ninety one. And and I don't mind that he wanted to like play the character but like you gotta rewrite the story so it's about a 91 year old because he's just playing a guy who's written as 58 and people like you didn't show up to work today because you're drunk it's like that man is 91 (laughs) don't make him come into work get him some soup take him to a home it's like in uh tom cruise's the mummy where everybody's talking to tom cruise as if he's like late 20s early 30s and he's like and it's just like i'm not saying don't play that part i'm just saying rewrite it for you and and that it's the same thing like John Cho is older than Spike Spiegel is in the animated Cowboy Bebop. Yes. And that is fine, but they should have rethought the character's POV and approach to life based on John Cho being in his 40s because he's not he's not written that way. Yeah. Anyway, point I think the point is when it comes to I'm not I, I, like we're talking about we're not necessarily uh, anti-nostalgia or going back, but I do think it is important. Um, just from an artistic perspective, because I know I know the business stuff will always trump the artistic stuff. But from an artistic perspective, having a clear like, oh, this is the this is why we're doing it. Like this is this this is the yeah. take. This is the perspective. Um, it's like as we go through the Spider-Man movies on our Spider-Versity show, um, the clear impetus of the early Sam Raimi films were we've never done Spider-Man live action. Let's do that. Right. That's why those movies exist. But in in the writing of it, it becomes about like. They really hit on okay, great power, great responsibility. That's what these movies are about. There's so, each each one is basically a story about Peter learning about responsibility, growing in his responsibility, as opposed to um, uh, like the MCU films, which are very there's a lot of positive things about them. There's a lot of good things, but they're just like, hey, here's another Spider-Man adventure. Here's Spider-Man doing they're Spider-Man really, things. <laughs> I haven't obviously I haven't seen the the third one yet, but the first two are so weirdly about the mentor protege relationship. They've yeah. really gotten very sidetracked by that in the Tom Holland ones, where it's it's always about like Spider-Man learning to work with a teacher, or learning to like take instruction or guidance or whatever. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's, it's sort of a, it's sort of an odd choice. Yeah. So it's, but it, yeah. So the thing is, uh, I would like, and like, like I'm hoping with this, this, uh, you know, obviously this is a show, not a movie, but this, this, um, new like X Men '97. It's that yeah, we're continuing the old thing, but here's why. You know what I mean? Here's why. Here's what we have to say about that. Here's like, and, and going even if, even if it's not a reboot, something like Stranger Things. Stranger Things is set in the '80s, but it doesn't have anything to say about the the 80s or what that it, it's it's purely it's purely it's not even set in the 80s it's set in an 80s movie like it's it's right not that's what like, i was gonna say the the interesting thing about stranger things is more so than a lot of these other projects it is almost a meta commentary about nostalgia like if you like me i was actually like i'm pretty close to in age to the Stranger Things characters. Mm-hmm. Like I was their age in that era of the 80s. And like nobody had a The Thing movie one sheet on their wall. <laughs> that wasn't even, they didn't even really sell movie one sheet posters 
for your house in the 80s. That wasn't even really a thing. I don't even know where you would buy those. That's a thing we now imagine would have been on an 80s kid's bedroom wall. And like that's kind of baked into Stranger Things. And I think a way that is purposeful and interesting that is that really does, I think, set it apart from a lot of these other nostalgia bait shows and films. Well, let's take another quick ad break, and then we're going to answer some questions we got from the Discord. Whoa. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we are back. Let's take a look at some of the stuff we got from the Discord. We got Jake Hefner who says, um, do you think with nostalgia content seemingly becoming so much more prevalent nowadays that it'll stifle the process to create anything new? Uh, and he brings up, for example, the X-Men 97 show uh, kind of supplanting the idea of making a new uh, X-Men animated series. So do you think this this uh, nostalgia is keeping us from getting new stuff. We talked about how, like, Lon, you mentioned how, like, nobody's you, nobody's able to make their own thing. You're just, it's either Punky Brewster or Doogie Howser. Yeah. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Like, there there would have been a time in, like, the 90s, let's say, where the, the route to getting into the film industry, you know, if you were a director, you would maybe make a low-budget thing, get into festivals. If it did well, you'd get, you know, meetings with studios that they'd be like, pitch us what are, what are some of the ideas you'd like and you'd be pitching your own ideas that same thing happens today but that filmmaker gets a meeting at the studio and it's like here are 10 things we're thinking of adapting which one do you like and i mean like that's just true that's just how it happens yeah. you know it'd be like are you a big fan of inner space or would you say <laughs> prefer gremlins you know it's like you're you're picking from a catalog of ip that they want to revisit and i was going to say too with ghostbusters that's a great example of those ghostbusters projects specifically keep happening because sony doesn't really have as much franchise ip is a lot of the other studios and they're like racing to catch up like men in black international kind of fizzled out they don't really know what to do with 21 jump street there's just fewer sony things out there in the world and so they're desperate to make ghostbusters happen and turn it into one of those repeatable cash cows and that's just the industry now so yeah it's totally crowding out other original ideas that probably would otherwise have seen the light of day. Like unless you're the Russo brothers, you don't get to make one of those anymore. I'm still genuinely shocked that they haven't tried to make a uh, Ghostbusters or men in black live action TV show. Like it just feels like they, 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 those, those premises would work so well in that environment. And it's like, anyway, whatever. Yeah. I mean, all that pitched like a bunch of times by somebody in some rooms and there must be something that they're running into or it's a not yet kind of thing. All all of those things are, are coming. I mean, just think about, you know, like karate kid is also Sony and that's exactly what happened. You know, like they made that movie with Jackie Chan. Mm -hmm. Uh, It didn't, didn't do any sequels, didn't relaunch the franchise. Then that, you know, Cobra Kai now is like the big TV show They're They're just going to keep, doing that as well you know jumanji paid off for them i'm sure we'll see more stuff in that world like everybody this is how you become and stay one of these companies at this point do you think roxy what are your thoughts on this i'm kind of with lawn on this i i mean i know which i guess means being with you (laughs) do you think like charlie's angels if charlie's angels that 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 charlie's angels they made with kristen stewart if that had massively paid off we'd already have you know four of them god damn that movie show that movie was so fucking horny that was such a fucking horny movie it was was yeah yeah. just not a novel concept that like people's wallet 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 first wallet first so like that's kind of the way that it goes, which is gross, but I also yeah. get it. Roxy. Of course. I mean, that's, that's the business, you know, it's Roxy, business. do you think there's a point where this kind of thing, uh, implodes where this thing kind of like, like Lon mentioned earlier that like, um, yeah. um, the, 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 like the comparing it to like a pill that's like, what's wearing off an, an effect, like, like stuff, like we keep doubling down on this stuff and it might not work. Are, uh, the studios keep yeah, are, are bidding kinda, big. 
I'm kind of with Lon on this one too, actually, because actually it's not that surprising. <laughs> For once. I'm, I'm on this one too, that uh, when he had said that there's just no way that the, the bubble doesn't burst kind of thing. Uh, I don't know how you can do more than every character that a company owns being thrown into a movie. So we're, we're going to have to find different ways to hold our own beers because that's what we keep kind of hold, hold my beer. No, hold my beer. Now hold my beer. And it's just, yeah, I, I don't think that that can keep going, but I also, again, I can't, I, I don't want to keep just harping on it, but like, we don't know what the F the world's going to look like tomorrow. So it's hard to know what the industry is going to look like. Yeah. I got that Hollywood reporter email this week, which I'm, if you guys are subscribed to it, you guys did too. I'm sure deadline sent out one variety, whoever you guys get them from. And it was like, is Spider-Man going to pull Spider-Man from movie theaters because of Omicron? Mm. It's like, how, how could we know what, when this is going to burst or what the future looks like when like there's mo- there's a movie coming out in two weeks and we're, we're still not sure if it's going to come out. It's doing the same thing. Yeah. I think, um, I, I don't, I don't think any movies are going to get uh, pulled and we're not going to go back into lockdowns. I think, I think Americans have done all that they're going to do. <laughs> to I, try I, I, agree. I don't think so. I don't think so either. But when we're talking about at some point, this bursting, we the the landscape is never been like this before. So who knows even yeah. for what reason it bursts? No, I agree. I just think this nostalgia stuff has such a it's a law of diminishing returns thing. Like yeah. I just think that it wear that it wears off those those warm, comforting feelings that we all like of being reminded of stuff we loved when we were seven. I think that can only sustain you for so long, really. And eventually, people are going to start to crave you know, other kinds of storytelling and different yeah. kinds of stories. And and so, you know, I think all of these things are always pendulum swings. And yeah. we're we're at the very, very height of, you know, everything having to be about IP and everything having to be a reboot or a remake. And I think, the you know, we won't ever probably get out of that world entirely. Like when people who are kids today are in their 20s, they're going to be very nostalgic for, you know, MCU content and like this era of Star Wars content and all those things will have another heyday. But I do think, you know, there, there will probably be a pendulum swing in the other direction where we'll get some more, you know, some different kinds of genres will maybe pop up. Like heist movies are also kind of having a moment. So you never know, like there's room for other stuff. It goes back to the money thing too. When stuff stops making the money, they're going to change the formula. So at some point when we get tired of things, these nostalgia sequels will stop performing as well. And it'll be something else. Yeah. And it's, they've been saying that about superhero and that hasn't (laughs) happened yet. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't ever think it's that. I think people are always wrong about that stuff because they go too broad, you know, where it's like, like obviously in the nineties, disaster movies were a huge fad and much more dominant at the box office. But it's not like disaster movies went away. Greenland, Moonfall, they still come out all the time. I can't wait for friggin' Moonfall, are you kidding? (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, so I mean, it's it's, it's just a trend. And I think that even if the superhero trend peters off a bit, it's not like superheroes are friggin' going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And this idea that one day it's just going to crater and there will be no more big superhero movies is like dumb. Of course not. Well, and it's also important to keep in mind a couple things. One, it's not like the nostalgia stuff is new. So like for me growing up, a few things I watched is like I would watch, um, uh, because uh, of my parents' interest, I would watch Andy Griffith, which as a kid, I didn't have the wherewithal to realize that that was a show made in like the 50s or 60s that was nostalgic for the 30s. And yeah. you watch like Happy Days, which as a kid, you're like, oh yeah, the 50s, not knowing that it was made like in the set decades later, again, being right. looking back. But I will say something that that uh, I, I also have, cons- like, it, but it's interesting how like, nostalgia comes back because Steven Spielberg's movies were very nostalgic and now our nostalgia is his nostalgia like if you look yeah, at that, that's that, crazy. that few, first few minutes of Jurassic World they put out the new one 
they're they're at a drive-in. A T-Rex shows up at a drive-in that's showing like I can't remember what the movies are now, but they're like they're they're old movies. And in in the drive-in is a bunch of like college-age kids and high schoolers, and it's like, well, that's not you're now pulling from somebody else's memory. Same thing with uh, the new Ghostbusters. That Ghostbusters doesn't take place in a small. It takes place in the present, but that small town's not a now small town. That's a fifty small town. That's a small town from thirty years before the original Ghostbusters. Well, I've always thought it was kind of fuck. It's kind of funny that when in our minds, the people will say, you know, if you're going to a costume party, like what's '80s clothes, what's mm-hmm. '70s clothes, right? Right. It, it's not like it turned 1980 <laughs> and the clothes changed from '79. Right. Like, but like, this is an '80. This is what you did in the '70s. Is what you did in the '80s. Like, and also very likely on your wall, if you're in the '90s. You have things on there from the 80s, but yeah. that would be confusing to audiences. So, like, you got to stick with all 90s stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, our, our, so images for these, our images for these decades always become, like, watered down and oversimplified to, like, yeah. 10 trends. Mm-hmm. So the 80s is, like, leg warmers and neon and new wave music and big hair and shoulder pads. And, like, that's it. Like, that was that defined the 80s when really it was, like. It's 10 years of life. It was thousands and millions of things made up what the 80s in America were. And so, yeah, it's always this like very oversimplified and watered down and like sort of heightened version of what any of these eras were. And we're always reinventing it and reimagining it. It's like every time you remember something, you're not remembering the original event. You're remembering the last time you remembered it. And it's the same thing with cultural memory. Like we're not remembering the eighties. We've rem- we're remembering all the pop culture that's been reinventing the eighties since the eighties. Yeah. Right? And that was something like the Americans did that was very the FX show, the Americans, like when it came to like the cars on the street, they, they were like, they were specifically like, well, it can't just be eighties cars because most people have their cars for a decade or more. So it's right. gotta be from the seventies, from the sixties. Like that's what these cars would be if in, right. actually in this time. And it's not all cars that necessarily like read the eighties. Like there yeah. are cars that look eighties to us, but there are also cars that like Oldsmobiles that look the same for 30 years. Yeah. And so it's just like, there would have been a mix on the street of all of that stuff. So before totally. we go, one last question from Leonard Kim. Uh, what is uh, it? He says, I had to I had to follow up with him on this. He says, "What decom uh, uh, would you want to have a remake or a sequel?" I know, uh, I know, I know. It feels like a sinner crime. So, decom is Disney Disney Channel original movie. You didn't know that? DJ? I, I didn't know that. I didn't know I, that. I knew that. Oh well. Wow, okay, so I'm like, the I'm the idiot in this one. I apologize. <laughs> Decom, of course. Yeah, Disney wow. Channel original movie. Uh, like you don't even like Brink. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I can't even. Honestly, I don't know if I could pull a Disney Channel original movie from my brain. Are uh, you being serious, DJ? Is it? Is the one with the dad from? Nope. Uh, nope. I'm sorry. Uh, there are uh, a lot with the dad. There, there are a lot with the sometimes dad. Sometimes the dad's from somewhere. There's a dad from a sitcom that I cannot remember that is not Sister Sister, but for a second in my brain it was Sister Sister, but it's not though, and now I can't remember what sitcom it is. I uh, wish I could help you, but, but it's I a don't. superhero one. Uh, I simply don't know. No. So yeah. So we're rebooting a Disney Channel original movie. What you got? Most of these were after I was like a man already for this trend. <laughs> yeah, so see, that's like, the thing is like the Disney Channel original movies were more my sister's thing than my thing. Yeah. Well, like in the 80s, they did have some, but they're not, I don't think those are officially on the like DCOM list. I think, I think, they think they that are. started in like the late 90s. I think they were more like original Disney movies that they just like put on TV rather than opening them theatrically. Like, you know, this is an embarrassment from both of you guys. I mean, Come I can on. name some. Like, I know Halloween Town is one. Boom, I'm just, there like, it is. It wasn't Let's my personal it. favorite, you know? So, okay, the, the the creepiest one of all of them. Do you guys remember Don't Look Under the Bed? No. No. Oh, my God. Wait, no, hold oh, on. I'm no, it up. Hold on, that hold was on. from 1999. I was, a, I was in college, Roxy. Doesn't matter. <laughs> well, no, but I, will, I will pull this. Okay, one of the Disney Channel original movies I remember, like, played a little bit with slasher convention and there was one where like a knife ended up in the garbage disposal and it was like going around and like a person's head was being put towards it and i remember being like this is a disney channel movie (laughs) is that don't look under the bed no (sighs) okay listen don't look under the bed (laughs) scary like this was like goosebumps are you afraid of the dark kind of scary but scarier um with the boogeyman and the boogeyman under the bed that's where it comes from. 
Um, it was so creepy. And I really feel like that one you could bring back and it would be fire. The Halloween Town movies are the best decoms, but it's really hard to remake those because they just have such a twinkle in their eyes still. Right. And you don't want to mess there... with the. They just yeah, made yeah. one, right? They just did like a mummy one. Under wraps, it's know. called. Yes, they just did their first like remake of a decom that like is now new again, and they called it Under Wraps. It's about like kids who bring back a mummy. I think I vaguely remember the original, and now that you're saying that, oh, uh, yeah, you know it, what one I pick is Cheetah Girls because my friend Rupak was in the third one. There you go, Cheetah there. Girls. That's a, that was a Raven. Are you some- serious right now that Cheetah Girls was a decom? I yeah. don't remember that. Cheetah yes. Girls, Cheetah Sisters. The whole, you know Cheetah, the the that whole Cheetah Girls franchise, I believe, debuted as Disney Channel original films, I believe. Sing uh, it with me now, Lon. We stick no. together. <laughs> that, that was a Raymond, Raven Simone vehicle, right? Cheetah Girls? Yeah. Yes. So good. But, they, guys, but uh, they yeah, the Cheetah like, Girls One like World features my friend like Rupert anymore. There's a lot of Cheetah Girl drama. You guys haven't been keeping up with it. They all—it's no. been a whole problem. But you could like Girls Five Eva, the Cheetah Girls. That's a great. That's a show waiting to happen. Um, also, yeah, it's uh, tough. Uh, oh, Johnny Tsunami. That one was excellent too. Was it Cadet that- Kelly? Y'all seen Cadet Kelly? I, 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 yeah, my family watched Cadet Kelly when that came out. Cadet Kelly was awesome. That was the Christy Carlson Romano, Hillary Duff one. Yes. Literally, I was not even living at home anymore to be watching these with my family. I was like a man with an apartment at this point. Oh my God, get a clue. I'm looking at a whole list. You guys missed out. I'm going to make a list for you guys. Please do. Please do. Kayla Marie in the set chat is trying to pitch um, Sky High. Oh, you know what? Sky Cadet High. Kelly, I thought Cadet, I'm looking this up with Hillary Duff. I have seen this movie. I thought this oh, was good. a theatrical, I thought that was a theatrical move. Well, Look at the Irish. Look at the Irish was fire well the speaking of that the lawn in the chat kayla marie is trying to pitch sky high but i do believe sky high was a theatrical sky high was definitely a theatrical yeah. movie yes oh, so wait the, the, uh, the we have the answer i know the answer what's the answer i forgot about this one do you guys remember smart house uh, vaguely vaguely okay smart house was about like and, and picture this back in this must have been the early 90s there's a house that's a smart house. Now we call them smart houses. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like a smartphone. And it talks to you and all the stuff. It does all the stuff. But the house like turns against them. It's sure. wild. We could make this into a crazy horror movie day. It's actually happening to us. Pierce Brosnan did one of these, right? There was a Netflix movie where Pierce Brosnan was the voice of like a house that was like an AI house that went crazy. Don't yuck my yum, mom. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm saying it's a good idea they did it. Don't don't ruin this. It's such a good idea that it happened. Don't ruin this with your Pierce Brosnans. Are you guys understanding where my soul is or no? Yes. We yeah, feel Tau, it. T-A-U, it was called. It's like a, it's like an AI house that goes crazy. Mine and I'm wrong. It's not, it's not Pierce Brosnan. It's Gary Oldman is the voice of the evil house. Wow. Oh. For some reason, I feel like Gary Oldman's a bigger pull for this evil house scenario. It is. You're right. I don't know why I switched him with, uh, with Pierce Brosnan. If anything, I thought you were going to be like, it wasn't Pierce Brosnan. It was Timothy Dalton. I was like, oh, oh. Yeah, 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 that tracks. I know why I did it. Because the Simpsons... Treehouse of Horror, where they do this, that evil house is voiced by Pierce Brosnan. That's why I did it. That's so why what we're saying is, Roxy's your smart house pitch has a lot of legs. Um, who was the? I, I'm blanking a on the lot. name. I'm blanking on the name. The 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 lady who was the smart house. She's the. Uh, you all are going to hate me because I should be just to be able to pull the name. She was um, Sons of Anarchy, uh, married with children. Um, oh um oh oh Katie oh Siegel. Bingo. Yeah 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 yeah. She was she was smart house. You could bring her back. Yeah. Sure. You guys really have some some watching to do. Um, I think that this is a really important time for you guys to start your decom. Love. Honestly, it's a good. It's I'm sure there are dudes doing this. It's like a good podcast idea for yes. like two older dudes who were too old for them to go back and watch all the <laughs> all the decom movies. Oh my! Did you God. see Brink or you didn't see Brink? No, I haven't seen. I see Cadet Kelly. I don't know why. It must have been a video store thing. Like I was working in the video store, we put it on or something. There's no good reason for me to have seen that. And I, I tried I did, to learn. There was like a Cadet Kelly, like you swing and do the. I tried I, to learn. It. I definitely thought that was a theatrically released film. Though. No, it was not. Sure. That was a Disney Disney Plus one. Hey, you know, maybe we could 
reboot even stevens listen shia labeouf you know he's going through some stuff let's give a new mm-hmm. even stevens I think, for new... I think you're recasting i think you're yes 100 percent. we're, we're yeah. starting from scratch we're giving yeah. a new generation uh and i just want to check oh yeah so you uh roxy you threw out johnny tsunami uh and I, is it the grandfather or the uncle or the dad whatever the mentor figure in that is shang sung from the mortal kombat movies um uh, uh carrie Hiroyuki uh tagawa uh who is great he is fantastic in those films but that's it for our episode today lon remind the kids at home where they can find you oh just follow me on twitter at l-o-n-s that's the best place to keep up i'll i'll let you know there all the other crap i'm working on i don't have to repeat (laughs) so that's fine that's it for our episode today. Please go check out Lon Stuff. Lon, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Uh, if you want the rest of the episode, the after show where Roxy and I are talking about The Expanse, uh, Hawkeye, West Side Story, um, uh, uh, Love Island, a whole bunch of other stuff, uh, you can go check <laughs> it louder, that out. louder, DJ. Love Island. Uh, the Look out ki- for that. The, yeah. The <laughs> morning show, all that stuff. You can check that out on patreon.com slash only stupid answers. As always, please... I was going to say like and subscribe. I guess that's true. Like and subscribe and yeah, uh, share and five-star reviews. Roxy, what are what what are you doing? Where should the kids look for you online? Everywhere at Roxy Stryer when also the world girls. Those are my two. Those are the two. Um, uh, you can find me at DJ Talks Trash. You can find the show everywhere that matters at Only Stupid Answers, but on Twitter... You ain't got the vowels from stupid. Uh, we're getting near the end of the year, everybody. Uh, so stay tuned. We got some fun stuff planned, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Bye bye.